Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health, their food. What she discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true even for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. Reflecting on this, I decided to follow her advice, and I noticed profound changes in my own dogs. Enhanced energy, healthier skin, and an overall younger demeanor. It's truly heartwarming to see them so vibrant and full of life. Go to badlandsfood.com hometown and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D.com hometown. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Standing alone in a small, remote central Indiana cemetery is a weird feeling. You're alone, but you're not alone. These empty cornfields would feel insignificant if it weren't for these hundreds of forgotten stones. As remote as it is, you're standing in the final resting place for hundreds of lives, and all of them matter, even Almeida's. But as I stand here, there may be only a handful of people alive that knew who this 18-year-old was. And as I speak these words, I am also reminded of the immense power that I have as a podcaster. My words are heard by 1.5 million people each month. So, as suddenly as Mita's life was taken and forgotten, she is now remembered, again, by all 1.5 million of you. I have no doubt that the man who murdered Mita knew her situation and rightfully assumed she was a throwaway. If that term is new to you, I recommend that you listen to my soon-to-be-released series on the Foul Play podcast. This season is called Throwaways and explores the vulnerabilities of those on the margins of society and some of the ways that predators exploit them. I do believe that Mita was murdered by the man using the alias Edwards and later Arts. And I also believe that this man was very likely H.H. Holmes. And I have to give credit where credit is due. He was right. Amita was deemed a throwaway by society in the 1880s. And he got away with her murder. But in 2021, I'm a podcaster on a mission to change the way that society sees throwaways. After all, I was one too. So what do you say? How about we work together to remind the world of who Mita was? The world knows darn well who H.H. Holmes was. So let's take some time 
to learn more about Mira. I will caution you, her story is one of pain and an unusual dose of sadness. And well, you already know how it ends. Almeida Eleanor Hewitt was born in 1870, near Dayton, Ohio. Her father, Henry Hewitt, was a very abusive man. He would often beat his wife and was known in his community as an alcoholic. When little Almeida arrived, she too fell victim to his abuse. In fact, he would beat her so horribly as a young child that for the rest of her life she would suffer from constant debilitating back pain. When Mita was eight years old, her mother finally found a way out, and she took Mita with her. Only a short six months later, Mita's mother was helping a neighbor drive up cattle when her father slipped into the house and abducted her. Mita resisted as much as an eight-year-old could. She was taken to the office of the Miamisburg Bulletin, and he kept her there as a prisoner until midnight. Then, under the darkness of night, he forced her to go with him on a train west to Wabash County, Indiana. She cried, begged, and pleaded with him to be allowed to go back to her mom. However, that only made him beat her harder. When they arrived in North Manchester, Indiana, they lived at her grandmother's home. It was a hard life. She wasn't allowed to leave the property at all, and she was explicitly told that she was not allowed to learn to read. Her father threatened her that if she told anyone she was abducted, that he would kill her. Her abuse worsened over time, and her beatings evolved from the hand to a belt and to sticks. Mita was 10 years old in 1880, when a wealthy childless family in Rowan learned of her situation. After a lot of back and forth, a written agreement was struck. Mita would be allowed to live with the wealthy family and would be educated, and in return, they paid her father a lump sum of money. Four years later, Mita's father tells her that her mother died years ago, and he gave her an ultimatum. He would let her go back to her comfortable life and will leave her alone. But she had to do one thing for him. So out of fear of being killed, she swears in front of a clergyman that her mother was dead and that she attended her funeral. You see, her dad wanted to remarry, and they would not allow it unless there was a witness to her mom's death. Mita's father remarries, and she gets back to her education and soon starts working as a secretary. Her father comes to her often, threatening her for money. The times when she could not pay up would be the times she would go home with bruises. When her mother, who is alive and well in Dayton, Ohio, tries to get a divorce so she can remarry, the great lie is discovered. Mita's father is suddenly in a lot of trouble and is facing jail time for breaking the law. As you can imagine, Mita's life was suddenly in danger. In an effort to get away from her father, Mita moves to Chicago in 1884 at 14 years old. She lives with a wealthy woman named Miss Turo at 99 J Street. Miss Turo was friends with the childless family Mita lived with in Rowan. And one day when Miss Turo took the train into Rowan, she learned of the situation and invited Mita to stay with her. For two years, Mita lives in Mrs. Turo's home in Chicago. 
1886, she meets this mysterious man that I mentioned earlier, Edwards, Arts, and possibly Holmes. They seemingly have a relationship, and Mita is well aware that he is using a fake name. I know this because of the letters she writes to her best friend in Rowan. It's important to also note that this is the same year that we know that Holmes moved to Chicago. Mita tells her friend in a letter that the man is married, however his wife did not move to Chicago with him, and this also lines up exactly with Holmes. Suddenly, at the end of 1886, Mita leaves Chicago and returns to Rowan. I believe Miss Turo learned of the relationship between Mita and this mysterious man. At the time, it was socially unacceptable for a young lady to be with an older man, especially one who was already married. It was so socially unacceptable that it was better for her to go back to a town where her life would be endangered by her father's anger. Soon after returning to Rowan, Mita starts exchanging letters, four times a week, addressed to H.N. Edwards, care of E.L. Drenning, with Chicago Interior, Chicago, Illinois. Mita tells her best friend that he uses a fake name, owns a drugstore in Chicago and St. Louis, and that he promised to marry her if she returns. She describes him as a fine scholar who spoke German and French, and that he looks older than he really was. By the end of 1888, Mita moves back to Chicago at 168 East Superior Street. Her mystery man gets her a job at a pictorial publishing company on State, near 15th Street. Within a month, her body would be found floating in the lake near Lincoln Park. Her body was described as having long brown hair. She was short with large blue eyes. She was wearing a brown dress with a large checkered new market cloak. She had on a small gold brooch, gold ring, and a gold locket. A couple days after her body was found, the mysterious man going then by O.W. Arts called the morgue and identified her body as Almeida Hewitt from Rowan, Indiana. He stated that he was only a friend and that Mita confided in him that she was severely depressed and wanted to die. He spins a story about how she fell in love with a married man in Rowan and that she killed herself because the man did not want to be with her anymore. At a time when the Chicago police was really overwhelmed, the run-of-the-mill story about a young girl who committed suicide because she was 18 and her married lover no longer wanted her was seemingly a welcomed close to the case. There are no existing records of Almeida's death certificate, police report, or autopsy. Officials from Cook County suggested if a well-respected professional, such as a druggist, said she committed suicide, they likely just shipped her body back to Rowan without much documentation or investigation. And that seems to be what happened. Her body arrived by train back to Rowan, where her friends got together to give her a small funeral. Her burial plot was donated, and they were able to raise money to pay for a gravestone. While working out all of these details, I drove up to Rowan for the day to find where all of these events took place. There is currently no train station in Rowan. In fact, the train doesn't run through that area any longer. After some digging, 
I did locate where the train station was back in the 1880s. If you find yourself in Rowan, it's near the intersection where a long train caboose now sits just outside of the business district, which sounds a bit grander than it actually is. The town of Rowan today is known for its covered bridge, the very bridge they would have taken Mita's body on to get to the cemetery. Her stone sits quietly in the old cemetery between the cornfields of rural Indiana. Her last name is misspelled on her stone, likely as a result of no family members participating in the funeral. Her friends probably just had it spelled as it sounded, H-E-W-I-T, when it's really H-U-I-E-T. So now you know the mysterious and tragic life of Almeida Hewitt of Rowan, Indiana. One last time, I'll remind you of the poem her friends so caringly had placed at the base of her gravestone. Here lies a rose, a budding rose, blasted before her bloom, whose innocence did sweets disclose beyond that flower's perfume. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.